0: Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson oh, what a goal! for the Chemist Week. Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the kings of storage, moving and more.
1: Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson to run the rule over the past week in the World Game. First edition news with Willem van Dender and shortly and of course during the show we'll be joined by our 250 game veteran of the Victorian Premier League and former Notts County man Dean Hennessy. as my usual co-host Michael Edgley takes a week's break. But first up, Sky News' Ross Greenwood will join us to discuss the latest in football broadcasting on the back of Vince Regari's article earlier this week that an obscure Sydney based streaming service called Sports Flick had trumped incumbent Optus Sports with a $60 million three-year bid. Now, according to sources I've spoken to, the bid submission component of the process has been completed and short of any 11th hour snags, UEFA will announce Sports Flick within the next couple of weeks. What does this mean for Football Australia, the domestic leagues as well? We'll find out from one of Australia's foremost business journalist Analyst Ross Greenwood will then turn to football and one of our favourite teams in the A-League, especially over the past two COVID-disrupted seasons is Wellington. The Phoenix gaffer Ulfuk Talley will join us ahead of the first distance derby of the seasons against Perth on Sunday and then we'll wrap up the hour as we always do with a closer look at what else is continuing to go on in what is a cracking season of the A-League. In the second hour, Willem will kick off with second edition news and the latest on Socceroos and Matilda Central and we'll turn back to Europe with our old mate from the Athletic Rob Tanner to talk about the Foxes and the Premier League more broadly. Lots more in the Premier League with Dino and Derek and we'll wrap it up with uh, another one of Derek's favourite little quirky topics in stoppage time. Derek, uh, what's caught your eye this week as perhaps the number one football story?
2: Well, it's probably what Willem is going to lead off with and that is the Barcelona story obviously gets bad to worse over at the Catalan club. Um some big news coming out of Inter and their owners and you know, the um viability of that club as well. Um yeah, so there's just plenty going on and ten games to go in the Premier League mm. season. So the sharp end is very well and truly here.
1: Yeah, looking forward to a chat with uh, with Rob Tanner about that. All right, will them fire away, man.
3: G'day, gents. Great to be back for another week. As Derek mentioned, Barcelona's headquarters were this week raided by police who seized evidence and detained four people, including former club president Josep Bartimao. Investigations had centred on the club's relationship with an external marketing company who'd allegedly been employed to publish defamatory material about Lionel Messi and others. Bartomeu and his advisor, Wam Masfara have been provisionally released on charges of unfair administration and corruption of business, with the case still open. Derek, all of this just one week out from the club's board elections to find Bartomeu's replacement.
2: Yeah, it's just one disaster after another um, from the PR point of view for Barcelona. I mean, they're recovering on the pitch, but off the pitch, Rob, they're falling apart, and this Mm -hmm. is... This is just embarrassing and abysmal
1: and symptomatic of a club that has been rotting from the head down. Yeah, it all started off uh, really when uh, Lionel Messi tried to uh, pull the ripcord and uh, it's just gone from bad to worse since, hasn't it? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, Ronald Koeman thought he would have been coming into one of the great clubs of all time but he's pretty much uh, jumped on uh, to uh, the sinking ship as, uh, as all of the other uh, silver tooth or gold tooth rats are jumping off so yeah it'll be interesting I know Edge in particular was interested in this story so even though he's probably enjoying his breakdown at Lakeside watching the Melbourne Victory women's team go around uh, he would love to have uh, had a couple of opinions on this subject.
3: Funnily enough, Rob, you mentioned Michael's at uh, Lakeside watching Melbourne Victory. That game's actually been moved to behind closed doors at Amy Park in the last couple of hours. So we'll have to hear where Michael is. I'm surprised he didn't turn up. Yeah, why he hasn't fronted up for the show. Back locally, (laughs) (laughs) the Socceroos will be forced to again wait to return to action, with this month's World Cup qualifier against Nepal postponed until June. That clash, along with the remaining AFC first round qualifiers, will be played in a centralised location between May 31 and June 15, with Australia to also play Kuwait, Chinese Taipei and Jordan. Australia's current quarantine conditions mean it's highly unlikely the hub will be hosted here, with Qatar most looking, looking the most likely at this point. And the FA kindly have also given a shout out to the All Nepal Foundation, a group who Seek to promote the game In Nepal And they'd said that They'd already won By having Australia booked To come to Kathmandu And play against them So that is unfortunately Off the cards I've been to Nepal A fantastic country Beautiful people And they deserve All the leg ups they can get So a big shame That they've lost out here
1: Yeah it is a real shame Uh, I think I've mentioned In the past that uh Um my little Alexander, who any listener to this show will know, has cerebral palsy. Sixteen years old, a little fellow um, going beautifully. But uh, one of our uh, our carers who helps uh, him is uh, a young Nepalese nurse. Uh, Dristi is her name. And uh, the amount of pride the people of Nepal take uh, in their country, and uh, and the joy that they had in knowing well the, that the uh, the first leg was uh, uh, just taking place, let alone uh, that they were competitive, uh, was uh, was something to behold. But uh, yeah, hopefully they get an opportunity down the
3: track. Football New South Wales have come under fire for their handling of an assault that occurred at a local club in 2018. Angus Chance was training at Dulwich City when the incident occurred with the medical expenses to treat his broken jaw costing his family $90,000. The family have told the ABC's 730 report Football New South Wales had not offered to cover any of the expenses although Rob the body have now stated they are open to resolving the matter.
1: Yeah, well, look, I know we um, we had a fair crack at football in New South Wales last week uh, with the Heather Reed story, and uh, I don't think they've covered themselves in glory with this one either, uh, given that uh, it seems that the um, the offer came after the four-corner story. Mm. So it's uh, um, it's a real shame anyone who uh, is interested in this story can easily just jump onto onto BBC iview and watch the catch-up to form their own opinion. Uh, but um, yeah, it's just uh, another, well, in terms of the violence alone, let alone the restitution, um, an ugly side of football.
3: Football fans and W League mainstay Rebecca Stott has revealed she's been diagnosed with stage 3 Hodgkin's lymphoma and will undergo chemotherapy in the coming months. Stott had most previously been in the UK with Brighton and Hove Albion, having before that won three W League championships with Melbourne City. She is a leader of the New Zealand national side. She's made 71 appearances, and we of course wish her and all her loved ones all the best for this difficult period going forward. Yeah. The Australian sports broadcasting landscape may have had a significant shake-up this week with little-known streaming service, as mentioned off the top, Sports Flick, rumoured to have secured the rights to the UEFA Champions League. A startup from Western Sydney, Sports Flick currently hold the rights to the Women's Champions League, Austrian Bundesliga and K-League, as well as a catalogue of niche sports. Rob, what are a couple of those? Uh, the, the Serbian bodybuilding, the Hungarian wrestling?
1: Uh, the Serbian rugby league was one of them. Um, K-League, they've got. Um, the, uh, yes, yeah, so the, the Austrian Bundesliga you mentioned. Uh, there's um, uh, mixed martial arts in there as well uh, and uh, yeah look we've reached out to, to sports flick and uh, to be fair their um, their uh, founder uh, and um, and see uh, Dylan Derek. Dylan cool. as a party, I should say, and um, and uh, their CEO Michael Turner have, have been uh, very helpful in terms of uh, their communication, but they haven't been able to really tell us anything uh, other than the fact that uh, what's been reported um, is uh, um, is is accurate. They've bidded and uh, and it seems that um, that that process is taking place right now. But through other sources, we've managed to confirm uh, various other aspects of this. But uh, you know, look to be fair, and and they would know it as well. You only have to jump onto their website um, to see that uh, there's a. Long way to go. Before they can meet the standard required of an international streaming service, uh, uh, that if they've bid sixty million dollars, then they're going to have to have a spare few million to uh, spend on upgrading the the, the, uh, the platform to to show that they are capable of delivering what's required. Uh, Australian football fans are pretty unforgiving when it comes to streaming services having hiccups, as Optus well and truly yes. found out when they won the Premier League. Hopefully, if sports flick do uh, proceed through and uh, and get the uh, the tick uh, of, from UEFA. Um, their IT people may well learn from some of the lessons of, of Optus because, uh, yeah, you're, um, as my old man used to say, a rooster one day and a feather duster the next. Keep <laughs> your staff up.
3: <laughs> How profound from uh, Rob's old man. Derek, it broad, more broadly though, it is a fascinating time. We've known for a while that the splintering and sort of diversification of the streaming landscape is going to come, and it seems over the last couple of weeks with Sports Flick and Stan Sports as well, that the future has well and truly arrived.
2: I don't know about you, gents, but I don't want to download another bloody app on my phone. I'm pretty sick of it. want honestly see mm-hmm. you and um, whether it be Stan Sports or this new one, uh, as Rob said it, they need to produce the quality products. And while these streaming services have allowed us to access sports a lot more nimbly and more economically than the old uh, Foxtel packages, when it's now gone full circle, and so all of a sudden, they're going to
1: be taking 80 or $100 a month out of your pocket for all mm-hmm. of them. So, yeah. Yeah, it was at that point you made when we were chatting, I think, off air earlier um, today, Willem, that um, suddenly you're getting to the point where you're bundling uh, Ko, uh, Optus... Sports uh, flick if you uh, want to exactly. stand sport. You You're like paying the, the same yep. price that, that you used to pay for, for Fox. So It's going to be a balancing act. And then, of course, you've got your you know your Netflix and, and uh, um, Disney's and Amazon's and all those sorts of things. So uh, you know people are going to make a choice, and there's got to be some constant consolidation. I'm really interested in, in, in Ross Greenwood's opinion on, on how this is all going to play out.
3: To the W League, Adelaide United have sold skipper Dylan Holmes to Swedish champions BK Hatchin just three games out from their finals campaign. Holmes described the move as the hardest decision she's made with the Reds currently third on the table. She will have a farewell match this sund- uh, this Saturday against Sydney and she'll also have the chance to play in the Women's Champions League next season with Hatchin.
1: Excellent. All right. Well, well done. Well, uh, stick around because after the break, we are going to talk to Ross Greenwood, um, formerly of the Nine Network and, uh, and the Nine Radio Network, uh, Money News. He's now the leading business analyst with Sky News and uh, he is going to share some of his thoughts and opinions on the... Um, uh, proliferation of streaming services what it means for australian sport in general and hopefully specifically what um, the competition may well mean for the a league and the w league and, and australian sport football in in uh, uh, in the near to, to medium future stick around that's after the break on box to box
0: box to box can you believe it the Chemist Warehouse Home of real brands and real savings And Storage King The kings of storage, moving and more and
1: let's Yes, to this is Box to Trish. Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport Broadcasting across Australia, around the world On whatever podcast catcher you are listening to us on We mentioned off the top of the show That uh, there was a, a story that had us all gobsmacked earlier in the week By Vince Regari in the Sydney Morning Herald That a uh, little-known streaming platform based in Sydney Called Sports Flick It apparently, and seems to have, gazumped sports With a three year $60 million bid for the Champions League. Uh, This seems to be playing out, and uh, the bid submission component has been uh, processed, and and the due diligence is taking place right now. And uh, apart from uh, the chance of any last minute glitches, it may and it looks like it will go through what it means for Australian football and Australian broadcasting. We're interested in finding out from our good friend, business editor at Sky News, uh, Australia's leading business journalist, Ross Greenwood. How are you, Ross?
4: Oh, very good to be with you, boys. Uh, tell you what, this is not a bad story, is it? Uh, little entrepreneur comes out, decides that they can offer 60 million bucks to try and get the UEFA Champions League, uh, and, uh, You'd, you'd, you'd want to at least do a one credit check, maybe two mm. to make sure that they really had the ready to actually uh, get you on board.
1: Well, I guess that's the question, isn't it, Ross? I mean, you've seen uh, them all over the years. Uh, you, you mentioned, we we're chatting off air, uh, the story of Steve Cosser, the man who almost made it when uh, Pay TV was first emerging uh, in Australia all those years ago, that uh, that sometimes these mavericks can have a throw at the stumps. and occasionally they hit middle and they get a result out of this. Uh, they're obviously being taken seriously by UEFA. How do you construct an argument for some uh, something like Sports Flick? When you look at their website, it's fairly rustic. Uh, what are your thoughts on them?
4: Yeah, well, okay, let's go through it. And that is, you know, you've got to encourage entrepreneurs in this world. There's no doubt about it. It's pretty easy just to dismiss them and say, look, you know, they're second rate or whatever it might be. But the truth is, if somebody has got the – the gumption, if they've got really, you know, massive amounts of, of courage prepared to put it all on the line, um, then you can go out there and you can grab some things occasionally. But so let's say, for example, here we go to flick and we go through and we can go and kind of have a bit of a wander through for $14.99 a month, which is the same price pretty much of Netflix. Uh, you can get the Bangladesh versus West Indies series. You can get the UEFA Women's Champions League. Uh, you can get, say, for example, some baseball, the Australian baseball they've picked up, which generally obviously needs uh, needs some airing somewhere. You can get a bit of wrestling. Uh, you might be able to get a little bit of uh, rugby league coming out of uh, some of the, the Europeans' uh, more obscure places. So, as I say, there's $14.99 a month. Now, you'd really be pretty keen on your sport to not go from there as compared with, say, for example, KO Sports. You can get that for 25 bucks a month. And you pretty much get everything that's out there on Postel. But if you get the right sport, the one that can bring more subscribers through your door and you can get it at the right price and you can convince others that they should subscribe to you and sponsorship off the back of it, guess what? You are dead set off to the races. I'll give you one classic example of happened recently. Nick Fordham, who was well-known, Ben Fordham's brother, great publicist over the years, Johnny Fordham, one of the all-time legends of... Sydney managed, you know, sort of uh, over the years, uh, the likes of John Laws and uh, Alan Jones and many others. Anyway, so Nick Fordham, uh, uh, Australian rugby, uh, the Australian rugby union decided that they wanted to set up Super League. They wanted to set up their own competition and they basically wanted to give club rugby away. So what happens is that Nick and one of his mates basically goes and is given the rights to club rugby in Sydney. Now, from that, they then go to North Sydney Oval. They fill North Sydney Oval every week. They get it broadcast on Channel 7's second channel. They get sponsorship behind themselves. And I know between you and me that they have been bought out by Rugby Australia for considerable amounts of ongoing cash per year. They now are out of it. And they've literally sold it back to the people who gave it to them for nothing. So, as I say, everybody gets their chance if you're an entrepreneur, So who's to say, for example, that this mob sports flick, if they can raise the ready, the money? Who's to say they can't make it work.
1: Yeah, well, it's a good analogy. And if they can do what uh, Nick Fordham's done, mate, um, as you say, they're, they're off to the races. We are box to box. We're talking to Sky News Business Editor, Ross Greenwood, about the news around Sports Flick and the future of sports broadcasting in this country uh, more broadly. Ross, talking about this great unbundling
2: of, of all the sports deals around the world and, and the abundance now of streaming services, social media networks, Amazon getting a piece of sports rights on one hand they free up the consumer to pick and choose the sport they want but there's a danger that if this fragmentation continues the sports fans are going to be completely inconvenienced because let's face it if you want to follow old football in australia you now have to have three subscription accounts in order to do that so can you maybe talk to us about how this might affect the consumer and how it may actually have a negative effect
4: okay so at some stage somebody's going to lose in all of this and you don't know who it's going to be uh, and the reason for it is because not everybody will subscribe to everything, and so say for example, you might have a KO Sports package at twenty five bucks, and you've got Netflix, and you've got maybe Amazon Prime you're paying for. So all of a sudden, you realise you're basically eighty bucks a month out of pocket, and saying, do I actually need all this stuff? Now, in the old days, maybe you've had one or two Foxtel boxes, and you realise that you didn't really need that much. And also, then you've got. Uh, an unlimited broadband account, which means that you can really, for about 69 bucks a month, get everything streamed into your house that you actually don't need, even the aerial pipes into the wall anymore. So out of all of this, with the disaggregation, each one of these players is looking to bring in enough subscribers to justify what they're doing. And they don't want to lose subscribers either. So San, for example, owned by Channel 9 now, um, it's created its own sports business. And that is going to be the home of rugby in Australia. So, again, like Stan or like any of the others, you can actually go in there now, get a free 30-day trial, um, and once that's all started, basically off you go and you're going to be paying the same again, probably the $14.99 or something of that nature um, that you need to actually go and watch the rugby. But that's the only way now you can watch the rugby, apart from some of the actual test matches which are subject to the anti-siphoning laws. Now, remember evening cricket in Australia, that also has been highly controversial because now Australians can't watch one-day cricket on free-to-air television as they used to be able to because of the deal that was cooked up between, in particular, Channel 7 and Foxtel. So Fox Sports, when it bought the, the rights alongside Channel 7, the deal was cooked between two of them, The 7 said, we don't want to have the rights to the one-day cricket, even though it was subject to anti-siphoning, but because they passed on that one, it was given to Fox Sports. And so as a result now, if you want to actually subscribe and watch one-day cricket in Australia, played by Australia, then you need to subscribe to that Fox Sports channel. So, you know, this is the way in which it's working. The one thing you've got to be careful as a sports administrator. And this is really important for Football Federation of Australia. As we know in the past, they've sometimes struggled to get their deal across the line the more sort of money that they require to support the sport, to support the club. And so really you've got to once in in a a sort of in in a contract moment, maybe once every four or five years to be able to A, assess what your sport is worth, B, assess the size and indeed um, the lucrative nature of your audience and then to be able to try and sell that. But of course you've got to be able to sell it to -to free-to-air broadcasters potentially on top of that digital streaming these days maybe on mobile devices as well. And the question is whether you go to one-stop shop that you get a large amount of money from one player or, indeed, that you go to a number of players and try and break it up. And as you say, you've got Amazon Prime coming in looking for it. You're potentially going to have in the future Netflix, Netflix looking for sports. You've got Stan sitting there. You've got players like Dylan Azapati a party and his new business, Sports Flick. You've got Fox. You've got the free-to-air channel. So there's now from a sports administrator's point of view, plenty of opportunities to try and find ways to make money out of your sports rights. And that's what the, the key behind this all is. And then, as I say, entrepreneurs like Dylan Azapati who turns up with his sports flick. he says, if I've got the money, I'll take this on. But he is also taking a massive punt that either somebody will buy it off him for the right price or indeed the second thing is that he can get enough subscribers to that sport to justify that $60 million.
2: Ross, are you surprised that uh, UEFA have you know in terms of their system to allocating this? It seems they've literally just taken the highest bid, and there must be a sense from from them of quality control too. The Champions League is a premium sports product, and look, at, I was thinking about when Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon bought the cricket rights to the away the away series in uh, the UAE, but that was that. This is the Champions League, and there's got to be a certain standard of, of of broadcasting, and they're prepared to take the risk on an absolute unknown quantity. Optus were a bit unknown, but at least they were a massive telecommunications company with infrastructure and cash and personnel to do it. You, are you surprised UEFA's taken this risk, or shouldn't we be what? surprised because, you know, the UEFA? <laughs>
4: You know, there you was, there you are. And so, you know, here's an open tender, throw in your bids, see how it all goes. But I've got to say that, you know, look, Dylan he start, started this thing, Sports Flick, when he was 25 years old. He's now 27. He was looking after his father's building business previously. Uh, I kind of sit there and go, well, really, is that the way in which you'd have the confidence to think that person is going to be there for the long term? And what happens if things go wrong? And, I mean, you can see, again, go back to rugby. I've used that analogy a few times. They really, in terms of the reputation of the sport and what they have done, have really sort of like not necessarily covered themselves with glory. Another small thing here is, depending on how long this contract is, and I'm just sitting there thinking if it's a three-year contract, you need to somehow find 111 um, uh, subscribers to this deal. Pretty simple. It's $180 a year, give or take. You can't get it for 90 bucks a year if you do it for the full year thing or $99 a year. But let's say, for example, you do the $14.99 a month, then you need 180 bucks a year. It's $60 million. Over the three years or so, you need 111,000 subscribers. That is a lot of subscribers who want to go and watch the UA League at $14.99 a month. So I'm not 100% certain where the math adds up with all of that. And I just wonder whether it's the greater fool theory. You're hoping that that somebody else, the greater fool, will might come up and and buy the rights off you for a higher price. Maybe that's the theory behind it. Or maybe you're just trying to be a player. And maybe you're trying to actually use this as leverage to get other sports in there where you might justify the price um, and in Indeed for other sports that you might acquire and pick up in
1: the future Hey Ross before we let you go a quick question uh, which uh, I flagged off the top But what's your opinion on how this may well benefit uh, uh, Football Australia the A-League the W-League in particular uh, the um, the dance partner that they've currently got right now uh, has uh, has shown by their actions at Fox Sports that they're not particularly enthusiastic about uh, covering the game and paying the big dollars that they used to pay uh, does this change the game for Football Australia in uh, the short to medium term as so far insofar as the, the negotiating power of College Street?
4: 100%. There's no doubt. And, and it really is important uh, for Football Federation Australia to make certain that they get some sort of competitive tension when it comes to the, uh, to the football rights uh, when they come up. They've got to make certain that there are more than those two players. And remember this deal that they've got now was cooked up because, effectively, um, Frank Lowy wasn't terribly happy with the way in which the negotiations had, had, had gone. Uh, and, and, ultimately, it looked as though only SBS was likely to take or, in fact, only Fox, Fox Sports was going to take it. And, eventually, a little bit of haggling around the side managed to get SBS alongside Fox Sports to basically have it on free-to-air and also to have it on the, the pay television platform. Now, you need that sort of competitive tension again but then you've got to be able to justify the price. As I say, if you know I'm sitting here and going, well, I'm I'm trying to buy, buy a or biz, build a business case uh, for the broadcasting of uh, Australian football. They're not going to make certain I've got enough subscribers who want that product. That makes certain that the product is good enough for the people to want to tune into every week. Um, and that's what the television broadcasters are thinking about as they go into those negotiations. They're also, to be honest, looking at their competition uh, and looking at who else is going to pay the money that we could potentially pay. Because like any business, you're going to pay as little as you possibly can to get the best bang for buck. Um, And so, as I say, it's this this balance right now. Mm. How many subscribers will we lose if we don't get it? And remember, the one thing was when Optus took over the the Premier League, Uh, it was one of those points where they thought they had more to gain by doing that deal to pick up the Premier League as compared with, say, Fox Sports that lost it, but didn't want to, and how many subscribers they lost, and they lost subscribers at the time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's this balance in the executive's mind as they start to weigh up exactly what individual sports rights are worth and what they're prepared to pay for... uh, hanging on to subscribers, or indeed, trying to acquire
1: a new one. It's fascinating stuff, Ross, and I think we're all a little bit smarter for having listened to your analysis of, of what's going on, but uh, we will watch with interest over the next few weeks as to how Sports Flick and, and how this whole thing plays out, because ultimately we did subscribe to Optus, uh, despite the fact that many of us were annoyed that, uh, that they took the rights. Um, we, we ended up paying. Ross Greenwood, business editor of Sky News, as always, mate, thanks for your time.
4: Great to have a chat. Always good
1: to be with you. Absolutely, Ross. Brilliant talent, Ross. Uh, explains it in language that we all understand. All right, stick around. After the break, we're going to talk to the man that Willem van Dendren refers to as my doppelganger, Ulfuk Talley, the uh, coach down at Wellington Phoenix. Not setting the park alight on the pitch, but they're doing great things in so far as a club and community and and just how well they've, uh, they've managed COVID and uh, the past two seasons. We'll talk to Ulfuk Talley after the break on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. Can you- the cat sat on the for chemist
1: warehouse
0: home of real brands and real savings
1: and storage king
0: the kings of storage moving and more
1: and this could be the most yes, this is box to box on 9 radio nts news talk sport now we're really enjoying the a league this season for any number of reasons the fact that from top to bottom of the ladder it is competitive and uh, and while wellington phoenix are uh, at the you know the bottom end of the ladder in terms of points played insofar as their competitiveness and the capacity of the team to put on an entertaining match and let's just say that uh, you know they're only four Four points away from the uh, the top six, so uh, there's plenty of this season to go. And uh, based on what we've seen in the last couple of seasons, they are going to be a chance of being there when the whips are cracking come finals time. And the man who's running the show there is their manager Ufuk Tale. We welcome Ufuk back to Box to Box. How are you, mate? good mate how are you yeah we're really good we're really good and uh, you know we watch uh the the journey of the phoenix over the past two seasons uh, since covid struck with with great interest and you know the resilience and the capacity of you and the organization to maintain that level of enthusiasm where you know it's easy for us to flick on the television you know once a week and 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 hear the story but for you guys to be living it it's another thing altogether so so you know just tell us a, 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 insofar so far as the culture you've got going in the club that you've managed to keep uh, the guys up and about uh, all this time
5: you know we've got a we've got a great Board and a great owner that uh, believes in the, in the team and the club as well. And we've got some you know really good players that uh, want to achieve great things. So there's been a lot of challenges thrown at thrown at us since uh, COVID has hit. But uh, you know we take it day at a time, and we you know we any obstacle that's thrown in front of us, we try to jump over it and continue on. So like I said, we've got a good group that want to achieve things, and uh, hopefully we can this season as well.
1: And uh, you know I mentioned that there's still plenty of time left in the season. You're sitting on eight points there with um, a game in hand against probably a, a third of the uh, the rest of the competition. Some teams, uh, Sydney FC, uh, Melbourne City uh, have got a game in hand on you but uh, it, it wouldn't take much more than a couple of wins to to, uh, to be up there amongst the sort of the Perth uh, Adelaide, Western Sydney's uh, at the, the bottom reaches of the six. Um, uh, that would clearly be top of mind for you and the playing group.
5: Yeah look for us we want to make the top six this season and give ourselves a chance if once we get into the final series but I don't believe we've been playing bad football. I think we've been a little bit unlucky in certain aspects of the game and and certain aspects of the game that we need to improve on so you know I think we've been very competitive and we are creating chances and I think we're creating too many chances where we don't the boys don't reward themselves so you know we'll continue to build on that there's a lot of confidence confidence within the group and uh, you know like we've got a massive challenge against Perth this weekend.
3: Well Fulgert's Willem van Denderen here um, in terms of Wollongong this month is Wollongong Appreciation Month you've got a couple of uh, double headers with the Wolves on before you guys Uh, you'll have a special kit you'll be playing in and another couple of things planned. Looks like a fantastic initiative between you and the local community in your temporary home who initially reached out to who and and how has this come about
5: oh look we've been in contact with uh Wollongong Wolves I know Luke Wilshire quite well and also with uh South Coast Football so the restrictions had uh you know stopped a lot of things a little bit early in the competition so now things have eased to go out there and get into the community which has been a little bit difficult but uh you know we want to get the players out there we want to get the the brand out there and and we want to get the support out there because one thing we don't have uh this season is our fans back at home so you know the community's been great with us and and we've got a Great environment where the players work every day,
3: and the Ulysses De Via fan club, the uh, the Mexican supporters you've had, has been one of the great organic, if perhaps a little bit uh, surprising aspects of the season so far. Has it been discussed inside the changing rooms, and, and if so, what's it meant to the group and Ulysses? It's
5: been great support for Ulysses and the team. You know, uh, like I said, we're playing, uh, we're not playing any home games in Wellington, so every 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 supporter counts for us. And and for us, it's great. The clubs uh, showed great initiative and, and bust them down to our game against Western Sydney. So you know, the more fans we can have out there, the, the more it helps the
3: players and you've got your fans and your roots of course back home in Wellington who are pretty much missing out uh this season in terms of getting to the games what have the fans and and the playing group done to make sure that they still feel as part of it as possible
5: yeah, we always stay in connection with, with the fans back home and there's a lot of uh, social media that gets uh, put out there and also a lot of messages that, that are sent through to the players as well. So we're trying to stay as, as connected as possible. It is a bit difficult, but uh, that's the only way of doing it.
1: This is Box to Box. We're talking to uh, manager of Wellington Phoenix, uh, Ufuk Talay, ahead of the distance derby this weekend in uh, Wollongong. Now, it is, uh, well, for most uh, sports uh, have, have a derby of some description where clubs and teams that travel long distances but they don't get much further than Perth and, and Wellington uh, you've got a um, a, a massive uh, opportunity to, to bridge the gap between them sitting in sixth spot um, you wouldn't overlap them but you'd be on 11 points just 12 shy so so just how big is this match uh, for uh, you know the the defining future or uh, perhaps a turning point of, of, of the club
5: one thing we need to do is also uh, turn winning stadium into a, a, a winning stadium for us. So we haven't done that this uh, season so far, and and we need to stay uh, close with the pack. So for us, it's a very important game that we need to uh, get our three
1: points and continue on our journey. And uh, coming off a you know a really impressive win against the Newcastle Jets outfit, who are you know one of the other clubs in the competition who, for various other reasons, have had their backs against the wall and have proven a, a, you know a really resilient outfit. So so to beat them two 0 uh, was convincing and must have really got the guys up.
5: Yeah, winning games also builds confidence in players and then also strikers scoring goals builds confidence in them. So I don't think it was our greatest performance, but it was a very professional performance in us getting three points. And like I said, winning games builds a lot of confidence within players and in the playing group.
3: I just want to ask a few questions on individual players. Firstly, in goal, the decision to swap Oli Sale for Stefan Marunovic maybe came as a little bit of a surprise to outside observers, but Sale's been really good and you've had a couple of results with him in goal. Can you talk us through that decision?
5: Yeah, look, uh, Steph Steph's done a fantastic job for us uh, last season and, uh, and also this season, and I thought we needed a bit of a tactical change where we knew against uh, Western Sydney that they will deliver a lot of balls and... and uh, Oli likes to to sort of like attack the balls for crosses and come for crosses. And also, we want to try to hit him on the counter because we sat a little bit deeper in his distribution. uh, He has that distribution to play that ball. So, you know, that's the tactical change we decided to go with. And he's done well and and he retains his spot at this present stage.
3: And a final one from me up the other end of the pitch. Interested in your thoughts on the start to the season from Tom Mohamed, obviously a vastly experienced professional uh, for his, his country and in the championship. He's huffed and puffed a bit up front, but he's, he's yet to score. You've, you've started him and played him off the bench. How's he integrated into the group, and, and uh, how have you analysed his first six appearances? Yeah,
5: look, he's integrated quite well with the group. Uh, the The hardest part for Tomo is, is he came in a week before we actually started the season, and uh, the hardest thing for him to get him fit is actually to play him in the games. Then we're also thrown in the deep end by trying to get him fit playing in A League games, and then in Sydney he got injured, which, uh, which which held him back for a couple more weeks. So he'll he'll slowly grow. He just needs the game time uh, to play, and and hopefully he can uh, come in and score goals for us. So that's most important. But is uh, he's he's, uh, he's got a, a great pedigree and, and hopefully you can show us that here.
1: Well, for tally- Thank you so much for joining us again uh, we, uh, we will continue to watch uh, The uh, the journey Of the Wellington Phoenix through uh, this uh, Post-COVID Or not quite post-COVID but ongoing COVID uh, in, uh, Disrupted season um, We uh, we wish you well against uh, Perth this weekend And as you build that, that community in, in Wollongong and uh, uh, we'll uh, yeah Hope to have you back on the show in the future And as I sign off mate I proudly am the uh, the Yufuk-Tale Doppelganger as Willem van Dender And <laughs> <laughs> uh, said and, uh, and as you said, mate. Uh, you know, us good-looking blokes, we've got to stick together.
5: That's correct. <laughs> uh, we always got to stick together. And uh, look, hopefully we can keep entertaining you guys this season. And then thanks for having me on, there, guys. Appreciate
1: Good. it. Not at all. Fooks La, manager of the Wellington Phoenix. All right, stick around. More league, more A League after the break on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. <laughs> For chemist warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and storage king, the kings of storage, moving and more. And this
1: could be the most crucial yes, this oh! is box to box. We talked to Fook Talei before the break about the Wellington Phoenix. I just got a sense that uh, that something may just shift that uh, result against the Newcastle Jets uh, might be what they needed to fire them up. And uh, even though Perth have been good value so far, uh, I uh, I just like Wellington as a team that is going to ascend the ladder throughout the. Uh, Rest of the season. We're going to talk more about A-League in a moment, but before we do, we're talking Storage King. Is your home running out of space? Well, you get a lot of calls, Storage King. Whether you're decluttering, moving or renovating, downsizing or creating a home office, Storage King has the answer. They've got stores everywhere. There's a location just around the corner. They also have a crack team of storage professionals who can organise it all for you. Make Storage King your first choice for storage they are the kings of storage moving and more go to storageking.com.au for your nearest store and Derek will tell you that if you want to watch some fantastic television right now Tune in to Channel 9 at 7.30 this Saturday night for the second episode of A Brilliant Show that Derek and I have uh, been involved in putting together and Storage King are heavily involved in. If you want to find out about Storage King, watch Space Invaders on the Nine Network, a brilliant show about decluttering, hosted by the great Peter Walsh, Oprah Winfrey's former declutter man. Anything you've got to contribute on that there, Derek?
2: Uh, Yeah, episode two is an absolute cracker. Uh, And I think because of lockdown and and everything else, I think we've all looked at our homes and our space and that's what this show is all about and they're very
1: heartwarming stories Beautiful. so tune in and Storage King are all over it Willem uh A-League, Dino's here
3: A-League time and Dino is with us as well we've got 7 games across the next 7 days uh, for round 11 of the a starting on Friday night with Adelaide against the Newcastle Jets 4 wins and 4 losses so far for Adelaide Dean Carl Viet hasn't managed to settle the inconsistency that's been a feature of them over the past couple of seasons, and I suppose that's what you get with a young side. But we know their best is very good, and we saw that with their 3-2 win away to Western Sydney. Craig Goodwin immediately coming back in from Saudi Arabia. He's a class player at this level, and he makes all the difference, Do you know?
6: No, he does. Uh, he's done it at that level for, for quite a long time. And um, Yeah, look, I, I quite like the look of um, Adelaide. And obviously, they've got a uh, game in hand... Uh, Regards to Western Sydney Wanderers, so if they were to win that, um, that would push them up possibly into what would it be third place, depending on different results, obviously. So, yeah, look, I, I think Adelaide are on the right track.
3: They're going to have a few ins as well this week. Ryan Strain, Tommy Yurich is back, as is Mikko Jakobsen, and Al Hassan Torre. They come up against a Newcastle side who had their five game unbeaten streak. Broken last time out. They were a little bit wasteful against Wellington at home, but they are. I think they're quite solid defensively, Rob. They've got obviously Topper Stanley and Bugard in defence there. Jack Duncan's magnificent. They've got a couple of responsible players who play. Uh, as the five midfielders who drop back, including Connor O'Toole, who's quite responsible, so I think you can you can bring a performance like that back and solidify defensively, and then look to build going forward again.
1: Yeah, look, I take your point. Their defence is uh, is what victories are built on. Obviously, you need a strike force you can put the ball on the back of the net, but uh, if you're leaking goals, then uh, you're uh, you know always going to end up on the wrong side of the scoreline.
3: Moving on to Saturday, Brisbane Raw hosting Sydney FC at Redcliffe. Uh, just one goal in their last four for the Roar. Dean after they uh, smoked Melbourne victory 5-2 I think it was and it was a magnificent goal a beautiful team goal harking back to the raw Salona days under Postacoglu scored by a man you have the connection with of course Jack Hingert they are yeah. still third so it's not all doom and gloom they're third they've got 14 points they do have a couple of striking options as well now in the squad Golgol Mabratu didn't score last week and we're still waiting to see uh, Kudo the Japanese import where do you think the raw are at for now
6: well, I'm just on Jack. Obviously, I'm pretty close to Jack. And, uh, you know, I think he closed his eyes and, and, and headed for the top <laughs> corner. And, uh, and he would be really pleased with that. But, uh, look, I, I still think they've got a bit of work to do. Um, still, I feel, still think there's a little bit more that they can actually achieve on, on the park. And, uh, and, 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 and again, if you look at the table, which we always do, it's a game in hand and they go level with MacArthur. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you know, you're in that top three, and I think definitely they're going to finish
3: in the top six. They're playing Sydney, who are ninth. They haven't uh, plumbed those depths in a long, long time with 11 points. They were pretty wasteful against MacArthur, and they did have uh, Palo Retro send off for a red card, but despite they, that, yeah, they despite that, though, I don't think it, it took them out of their game by any stretch, Dino, because they still managed to open up MacArthur right through the middle. I think no concerning general play, but they're just a bit wasteful at the moment, particularly. Costa Barbarossa and Patrick Wood as well, Mr. Couble. They're just not having that consistency of finishing from Adam LaFondra. They're yet to cover for him.
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and I think, look, it's sometimes when you've been as successful as in the FC, there's always going to be a time where sometimes you're going to have a dip. You know, we don't have to look at Liverpool just to use that as an analogy. Um, but, but I still think, with especially the way the A-League is structured and especially the way the league has been played out, which I think is really good now because there's a lot of youngsters in there. There's, you know, the middle of the road players in age and then you've got some of the stalwarts have been around for a long, long time. And I think it's a really nice balance. So I wouldn't worry too much about Sydney FC. They've got a fabulous manager. He's won it before. He knows what he's doing. And I'm sure they'll be right at the pointy end when it matters.
3: We're going to have to start flying through these games, Dean. Saturday night, a very tasty Melbourne derby. Obviously, victory against City at Marvel Stadium. The pressure is still building on Grant Brebner, but they are showing signs of some improvement. McManaman, Justed, Cruz, I mean, he promised all along if he can get these players on the park, they will have some hope of getting a result. For City, though, things have certainly improved two in a row for them. And Andrew Naboot is really stretching the defender's and that means that Jamie McLaren is dropping back to get touches more, which is what I've wanted from his game for uh, for quite a few seasons. So that maybe is the point of difference that Kiss Norbo has been looking for. Yeah,
6: look, I mean, um, in regards to victory, it was very, very stiff. I mean, what was it, 10 seconds to go? But the the back heel and then the cross, I mean, absolute sublime. So very unfortunate. I think that would have been a decent point because I thought they'd played really, really well. Um. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's like what we keep saying. You've got to keep going back to the well And Melbourne City. I quite like the way they're playing at the moment. Um, And and I think unless they they don't make too many defensive mistakes, virtually they'll be in the game. But if they don't defend well... And I think Melbourne City will be too good for
3: them. Moving on to Sunday, Wellington against Perth Glory at Wollongong. Uh, they may be bottom again by the time this one comes around Wellington, but they did fantastically well to grab the three points against the Jets. The Glory played midweek, Dean, against Central Coast. They lost 2-1, but they could well have yep. nicked a point. They were pouring forward at the end there. The big question is, Diego Castro, for all of their improvement, he's still so critical to them. Can he get through 90 minutes, or is he going to be a bench weapon for the rest of the season? Possibly this weekend, given they've just had a midweek game.
6: Yeah, well, I mean, seven games, so they're in the the lower edges of, of the league of games being played. So they're still, you know, still got games, and how much are always always nice to have as long as you can win them. Uh, Castro's been outstanding since he, you know, stepped foot into Australia, and uh, and I, and I think he is the tempo and, and the person that they go to, and, and and they are pretty young in person. I like the manager. I think he's, I think he, he's going to be a good manager in, in time to come. So. Look, hard to predict. But I think I still think Perth might get a result in
3: this one and then the final game on Sunday afternoon is Western United against Western Sydney at Ballarat they did have a bit of a, a slow start Western United but they too have games in hand and we saw the best of them against Melbourne Victory grabbing all three points with 10 men on Monday night we'll have a clash between Central Coast and MacArthur at Gosford and finally on Wednesday Sydney FC against Western United Rob over to you to finish
1: yeah thanks mate it's well, to touch on that point of rotating uh, um, players Carl uh, Robert Robinson is an experienced manager, and you'd hope that he's got it right. You know, trying to keep uh, the uh, all the players happy sometimes it's hard. You want to give them a chance, but uh, yeah, does it work? We'll find out. Dino, before you go, um, you mentioned that a mate of yours, Jimmy Williams, who uh, is a legend in uh, domestic football in uh, in Melbourne, uh, the manager of the uh, uh, the the team that took the NPL two title a couple of years ago, Eastern Lions, passed away today
6: did, sadly, three o'clock this morning. Um, I played my third game when I got here in 83. He was he was very well uh, established at Green Gully then when they were winning title after title. I think he was in the three-peat. And, uh,
3: um, a wonderful
6: man uh, on and off the field. Lovely family. I, I had the privilege to actually coach his son as well, Andrew. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm Message back to to him because he'll be he'll certainly be missing his dad. But he was one of the lads of the Malchester troops that would go away every year, and he's going to be sorely missed. And but outside of all that, putting everything aside, he was just an unbelievable, genuinely lovely man, and he was great mm-hmm. to have a beer with. And, we all, and the great thing is we were always laughing. We were yeah. never miserable. It was always fun to be around.
1: Well, if, if you can get a tribute like that um, when you've gone to God, uh, you've done well. Jimmy Williams, Valet, from uh, the team at box to box and your good mate, uh, Dean Hennessy, uh, a, a real grassroots football man through and through. Thank you, Dino. Well done, boys. Well done, Willem. Okay, another hour of box to box to come. After the break, we've got Rob Tanner. We've got Europe. We've got stoppage time. Stick around. Now.
0: This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson. Oh, what a goal! For, For Chemist Warehouse.
1: Home
0: of real brands and real savings.
1: And Storage King.
0: The kings of storage moving and more.
1: Absolutely fantastic! Yes, this is Box to Box on Nine Radio NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson this week. Our friend Michael Edgley taking a week off, listening to the show out there. How are you each? Hope you're having a good break. Uh, busy. First hour, but an even busier second hour. Our good mate, we always love talking to him, the Athletics' Rob Tanner. Uh, the Foxes, they're up and about in the top four again, but like last season, they're starting to wobble a little bit. We'll talk to Rob about Leicester City and, of course, the Premier League in general. We'll talk more Europe with uh, with Dino, and um, we'll have a uh, a fun topic for stoppage time. What's it going to be, Willem?
3: I'm not too sure, Rob. You told me, sorry.
1: Throw you under the bus there, but <laughs> well, Derek knows. What are we going to talk about in stoppage time, mate?
2: We're going to talk about the art of punditry. It's something that we do on this show, of course, and we'll be telling the uh the microscope on ourselves but particularly having a bit of a laugh at some of particularly the uk's uh, colorful characters i like the
1: particular grab that you've isolated as well for us to have a listen to uh, with uh, roy Keane, which uh, is always entertaining when you listen to roy so uh, there you go well i'm no, I'd better get some prepared
3: <laughs> good
1: on you mate all right well you've got some news prepared so
3: give it to us buddy soccerers and matilda central for the green and gold army with vaccines rolling out across the world it's time to start dreaming of your next overseas trip Why not do it with the Green and Gold Army, who help you support the Socceroos and Matildas in every corner of the globe? Sign up to the mailing list at ggatravel.com.au. We'll start in France, where Mary Fowler was the difference off the bench for Montpellier in their clash against Dijon throughout the week. She scored after coming on at halftime in a 1-0 draw. Elsewhere, Ali Carpenter's Lyon remained second in the league following a 2-0 win, while Laura Brock played a full match in defence for Gwingamp as they earned a point at Paris FC. To England, Lydia Williams was back in goal for Arsenal, keeping a clean sheet as the Gunners scored four second-half goals against Aston Villa while Caitlin Ford came off the bench. Sam Kerr's Chelsea are in the box seat to progress to the Champions League quarterfinals, having defeated Atletico Madrid 2-0 in the first leg. Kerr played the full match there. To the gents, Denny Juric has confirmed the Croatian FA have been in touch regarding his international future, but that his preference is to join his brother Tommy in representing the green and gold. Juric is fifth on the goalscorer's charts in the Croatian top flight, having scored nine goals in 20 for HNK Sibenek. To Asia, Mitch Langerak made the best possible start to the new League campaign with Nagoya. They had a 2-1 win, but at Yokohama, Ange Postikoglu was steaming, as only Ange can, as they went down to Kawasaki on the opening day. In the K-League, former A-League defenders Alex Grant and Harrison Delbridge made their debuts in the same match for Pohang and Incheon, respectively. And to England, Caleb Watts made another late cameo off the bench for Southampton. They went down to Everton. Unfortunate for Caleb Robb, because... Before this month's match against Nepal was postponed, mm. Caleb uh, Graham-Arnold had said that he was very keen to get Watts into the senior side as soon as possible. So exciting things on the horizon. Like all Socceroos, he's just going to have to wait a little bit longer.
1: Yeah, we're only uh, two uh, Australian representatives in the top flight right now. So uh, Caleb, the uh, spotlight's on him. And unfortunately, his mob, um, they've sort of fallen off a bit of a cliff since we put the spotlight on them earlier in the season with Tom Smithies. so so... Uh, um, Look, fortunately for them, they probably gathered enough points and they'll uh, they'll probably stumble home towards the back end of the season. But uh, our old mate, Ralph Hasenhutl, the Alpine Klopp, uh, uh, has got to be uh, um, finding some solution soon because um, you know, he's had those 2-9-0 whitewashes. Uh, somehow, I don't think he'd survive a third.
3: Yeah, well, it's quite amazing that he survived too, old Ralph. Let's move to China. Jiangsu FC have become the latest Chinese club to fold just three months after celebrating their maiden Chinese Super League title. Jiangsu, who had been funded by retail giant Suning, had been hit hard by their lack of matchday revenue, while Suning themselves have cut back on non-retail services following COVID-19. Derek, in 2019, this is the club that came within a whisker of landing Gareth Bale. They've now become the 16th club across three Chinese tiers to fold within the last year. Xi Jinping, 10 years ago, basically urged the country to get behind the game. Those with wealth did. The bubble, though, has now burst, I and mean, when you've got so many football clubs tied in with sort of retail and economic interests, I guess they're just a reflection on uh, the state of the economy, which is not good for football.
2: Yes, and there's going to be long tail implications for uh, European giants into Milan because, of course, they're also owned by the same company, and if you think that this company can't cash flow a modest uh Chinese Super League club, then how on earth are they gonna run a club with the bank balance of Inter Milan? Now the club have said that they will get the support of the owners, but it'll be interesting to see whether um, they'll be going up for sale. And, you know, Rob, you know your Serie A back to front. This comes at a time where Inter Milan are actually top of the league, actually mm. did quite well on the pitch, but could be falling apart off
1: the pitch. Yeah, well, Inter Milan, they're one of the great um, football clubs of the world, let alone of the uh, the City R. And uh, to think that they're, they're tied in with uh, an organisation that uh, is struggling as much as this crowd is uh, perilous. However there's always uh, another billionaire to uh, rescue a, a brand of that um, ilk. So I would have thought that regardless of what ends up happening, uh, there's more likelihood of, uh, of Inter surviving than um, the crowd who own them.
3: Yes, I think so. Not so brosy, for, though, for Jiangsu. They had that much debt that even with an asking price of one cent, they have not been able to uh, to draw up any interest so far. Liverpool and the wider football world are mourning the passing of Ian St John, who is past aged 82. St John was signed by Bill Shankly from Motherwell in 61 for a then club record fee, with his defining moment coming four years later as he scored the winning goal in the 1965 FA Cup final, Liverpool's first success in the competition.
7: Second half of extra time, and Ian St John, number nine, writes the second and last chapter of the Liverpool story, he scores the winner.
3: All up, the Scots scored 118 goals in 425 games for the club and later enjoyed a seven-year run on television as co-host of The Saint and Greavesy alongside Jimmy Greaves.
2: Yeah, I was going to mention Saint and Greavesy and we all talked to Dino about uh, Ian because I'm sure he has uh, memories of him as a player but certainly I remember him as a broadcaster and he's a very uh, jovial fellow and a grateful for the great Jimmy Greaves. So uh, yeah, veil, um, veil to that man.
3: And another one who's passed, Rob, when you look back through those old photos and... Of England in the and the UK in the sort of 60s and 70s and life looked tough, but the emotion and the cheekiness still comes through the photos and it's been it's been great to look through the sort of life of Ian uh, in pictures this week.
1: Yeah, and no, I love looking back at uh, at, the, at these um, players who, like even as a Liverpool fan, I, I've got to concede uh, that you know there are certain uh, legends who I, I'm not as familiar with their history as I should be. So it's sometimes in their passing that you do go back to to read up on their history, and fortunately we can jump on to. YouTube, as you did this week, to find that little clip there and, and watch some of their work. We've seen some legends pass in the time that we've been on air. So, yeah, I think uh, most of us on the show and hopefully uh, many of our listeners um, take this time to uh, to do a little bit of homework and uh, and, um, and and look at some of the glorious days of, uh, of the legends who, uh, who created this great game
3: of ours. Marseille have officially sacked manager Andre Villas-Boas one month after suspending him after he aired grievances about their sporting policy. The Portuguese boss went public with his discontent around the signing of Oliver Nitcham from Celtic. He's been replaced by former Argentina and Chile boss Jorge Sampoli, who has signed a three year deal now. Jorge Sampoli, Rob, was of course the Chilean manager when Australia lost to them at the 2014 World Cup, but geez, did we run them close? And he was sweating. Mm. And he is a doppelganger of George Colombaris. So we'll see (laughs) if he can uh, turn it around at Marseille. But Derek, where to for AVB?
2: Yeah, because he took a break from football, didn't he? And then he re emerged with a a bit of surprise at uh, Marseille. So yeah, it will be interesting to see uh, whether his reputation, which I'd say is now, you know, since he won that 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 um, that trophy with Porto, is diminishing and not not good in the managerial stakes at Schalke. You may know also that Christian Gross has been sacked as the Schalke manager. I don't know how many. Um, I don't don't know how many managers they've had this season now but they got rid of five members of staff of the football coaching so they are well and truly clearing house at Schalke it's a sinking ship and it looks like they're going to start again
3: the Australian Consortium, who had previously looked to take over Charlton Town and the Central Coast Mariners, have turned their attention to struggling Wigan Athletic. Sydney Investment Fund RDR Investment Partners front the group, with managing partner Daniel Halemi, estimating it would cost $6.2 million to buy the club. The group would then provide a $7.2 million budget, this is in Australian, across the first two years. And a final one from me, Juventus have secured Shell Cloney Weston McKinney on a four-year deal, worth just under £29 million. The US international scored five goals from 31 appearances for Juve, having signed a season-long loan worth €4.5 million Euros in August. Those five goals already have him as the highest American scorer in the history of the Serie A. So that's going a little bit off what you were saying, Derek, there with the Schalke fire sale. Have you managed to have a look at Weston McKinney? Yeah, he looks like a, a great prospect. So Juve
2: are not having a brilliant season. They're kind of in touch in uh, Serie A, and he's been part of that story and of course Ronaldo scoring his 20th goal of the season too so he's in good company there and we'll track his progress with interest
1: and i read on the athletic this week that jean luigi buffon might be extending his uh, career for another 2 years so he's not going to quit until he wins the champions league so uh, you know whilst they're still competitive uh, then um, the great old lady of football
3: oh, he's got a long way to go to uh, catch king Kazu.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: You'll be around for a while.
1: All right, well done Willem. It's always a good show on Box to Box when Rob Tanner is on, which means this week's show must be a good one because if you listen after the break, our good friend from The Athletic Rob is going to join us to discuss the Foxes and the Premier League more broadly. That is coming up next on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. Can you believe-
1: the Chemist Warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage, moving and more. And this
1: could be the most... Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport Broadcasting across Australia on that radio network, but around the world on podcasts, we know we uh, we see the analytics and we know we've got listeners all around the world and uh, we know every single one of our listeners, if there is one of our regular guests that they love to tune into, it's our good mate Rob Tanner, who we met when we started this show and uh, he is always so generous, not only with his time, but with his introductions. Some of the great guests we've had on this show over the years have been uh, right down to, to Rob's introductions and uh, and we uh, are forever grateful for that, but uh, what we're grateful for right now is having the great man on the show. How are you, Rob? how are you doing mate we're going real well rob um and uh look we'll we'll start off with the foxes uh with your beat um you know they um you know, look, it's sort of getting to that point now since we first met you back in that 2015-16 season where we expect Leicester to be up there and about in the top six. Uh, the uh, You know, from the uh, the days of Claudio Ranieri uh, through to, to Brendan Rodgers right now, uh, um, the capacity to keep players like Jamie Vardy when they're uh, romanced by, uh, you know, one of the big clubs, uh, Arsenal, and they just keep on uh, winning. But the one thing that they've battled with, like every club, uh, they have injuries, more injuries this year, than ever, but uh, but it's the depth of the squad.
7: Yeah, they've uh, done a lot of work to improve the squad over the year, and that's been a gradual process. I mean, they weren't when they won the title. That took everybody by surprise, especially people at Leicester City. So they they weren't in a position to defend that on so many different fronts with Champions League football to contend with as well. But uh, they've been striving certainly since Brendan's come in to try and improve the quality and strength in depth, and they're still not there yet. Uh, but they've got an injury crisis at the moment, which is unprecedented in my time covering the club. And it's ch- purely down to the, the sheer unique quality of this season, the condensed nature of it, the, the number of games crammed into uh, a short period of time. I mean, they haven't had a midweek off since uh, the turn of the year, really, since the FA Cup uh, win at Stoke just after New Year. They, they've been, It's been bang, bang, bang game after game. Europe as well as the FA Cup and the Premier League. And they're just coming to, towards the end of that now, but it's come at a cost, it's taking its toll. They've got a third of the squad out injured at the moment, various degrees of injury as well, how long they're going to be out. So they're really having to nurse themselves through now. And it was really important to get a point at Burnley because having gone out of the Europa League at Slavia Prague, then losing at home to Arsenal in the manner they did, not so much the result, but the manner they looked out on their feet. Uh, they needed to show some fighting spirit and they certainly showed that at turf more.
1: Yeah they sure did and, and that was a battling uh, uh, match when you play as, uh, as Derek often says on a, on, a, on a cold night at Turf Moor if you can get away with a point then you've done well and Brendan Rogers is trying to talk up the squad and, uh, and uh, he, he used the example of James Justin who himself has had his ACL done but who rose through the ranks last year due to injury and he's, uh, he's talked this week about how some of the younger players have got an opportunity to create uh, a name for themselves and, and establish a career if they can copy what Justin did uh, uh, when he emerged.
7: Absolutely, and James Justin is probably the the, the best example you can, you can show to demonstrate that. I mean, last season, um, he hardly featured at all in the Premier League. He played in the Cup games, uh, but he was very much the understudy. Then when the injuries started to bite towards the end of last season after restart, he very much came to the fore. And his versatility to be able to play right back, left back on the right or the left of a back three really became invaluable to the extent where he was probably undroppable. Uh, at some stage, the only way he was going to come out of the team was through an injury and unfortunately he picked up that injury, a sort of very cruel uh, ACL which could be, there's a theory around fatigue related to ACLs he went to control um, a ball and just landed awkward on his knees and he seemed to get out of joint and he's Popped his ACL, and now he's out for up to nine months. So it's heartbreaking for Justin. He's really has taken his chance. But that's the, the message to the rest of the young lads coming in now. I mean, Harvey Barnes was encouraged to take his numbers. He was in and out of the side. He has been so important to them. Now they've lost him to a knee injury for a while as well, but you could go through the whole team, they've they've all been patched up and playing with knocks and bumps, Vardy's had to have a hernia operation, he's not back up to full speed yet, but they've just got to dig in now, get through this period and then hopefully they'll be stronger coming to the end of the season with some of these lads come back from injury
2: Rob, there's been a lot of discussion this week about what constitutes the Big Four or the Big Six Leicester currently sitting third in the Premier League table, but uh, beyond that, you know, there's discussion that Really, the big six or the big four is all about your stadium capacity, your bottom line, your international fan base and your ability to attract quality players and quality managers. Where where do you think Leicester are? Have they broken into the big four? And is that something that's realistic for them if they haven't?
7: I think fundamentally the big six is about finances and they are the big six by some stretch in terms of the Premier League. Um, those sides traditionally, I mean, and up until Leicester broke in last year, um, that big six was pretty much intact since the, the the title win of 2016 when Leicester got in there. You know, they are established in, in many ways. They will have their blips. They don't have the, the exact blueprint uh, to retain their place in the top six of the Premier League. And we don't want them to because we like the excitement of different clubs coming up and challenging like West Ham. You know, this season coming from nowhere to to do that, and and Wolves in in previous seasons. So, but Leicester are, are trying to be, trying to make it a big seven. That's their aspiration. And on the pitch, they are going very very well. Obviously, last season the way they finished, and this season challenging again for a top four. It's off the pitch where a lot of the work needs to be done. The pandemic has really curtailed that in terms of the finances trying to bridge that gap. But it's a real issue for them because they're a moving target because the big six will continue to get stronger and stronger financially with their global branding Uh, They've got so many more revenue streams than a club like Leicester City have, but they're working really hard to try and close that. And as long as they keep embarrassing them a little bit at at, at times on the pitch, they'll get there eventually, but uh, it's a big, big task.
1: This is box to box We're talking to Rob Tanner from The Athletic. On everything about the Premier League, yeah, Rob.
2: I was wondering what your thoughts were on Leicester and the FA Cup quarterfinal that they've got coming up against Manchester United. You know, in ordinary circumstances, you know, Leicester not renowned, fair to say, as a cup team. I know they won the won the League Cup back in the back in the day, but um, do you think that winning that trophy would be meaningful for this side, or do you think, you know, given what's happened to the squad, Brendan will see this as a chance to rest as many players as possible and then redouble efforts for the league?
7: I think now they're at the Europa League, they'll go full tilt in the FA Cup because it's the one domestic trophy the club has never won and it's a bit of an embarrassment that the fact they've got the record for having the most FA Cup final appearances without ever lifting the trophy four times they've got to Wembley without ever winning it and um, the fans would love to win it, the players would love to win it, the club would love to win it. Brendan's gone very strong in the, in the Cups and they've done quite well to get to quarterfinals. Now it's an opportunity... To go that one step further, I mean, the semi-final of the League Cup defeat to Villa last season really was the catalyst for the inconsistent form that led to the um, the, the, the real collapse of their their campaign. Can you imagine if they got? Man United got to a semi-final and were able to book their place at Wembley this time. It could do the opposite and really charge them up again for a, a top four finish. So I think he will take that one very, very seriously and put out the strongest side he possibly can, which at the moment we have no idea what that might be with so many players on the treatment table. But um, no, I think uh, Leicester would love, love to win the FA Cup.
2: Yeah, and let's talk about a positive angle for Leicester. One of the, the great things about this season is... Been the emergence of, of harvey barnes for example as you mentioned injured um james madison's uh, career feels to have taken another significant step and other young players in the wing and where are these players coming from uh, rob and are they rough diamonds that have you know had the benefit of working under brendan rogers who is a you know superb coach or were these always good players and it was just a matter of time before they were going to break through
7: well, absolutely. Harvey's homegrown. He's come from Thorpe in the top of uh, Leicester. His dad, uh, Paul Barnes, was a, a top striker as well and uh, and a Leicester guy. Um, so he's come through the ranks at Leicester and uh, they've looked after him all the way from, uh, I think he was eight years old when they first took him in, in the academy. Um, James Madison uh, started at Coventry, came through Norwich. But the thing about Leicester is they're not scared to go and grab these young kids from the championship and uh, with the aim of development. In fact, that is their goal because they can't compete with the the big six in the financial market and go and, and buy in ready-made top-shelf players. They have to develop their own, and that's why Brendan Rodgers is a great fit for Leicester, because of his reputation. He started off in new football at Chelsea. Um, he, he he has a, a, an ability to develop and get the best out of young players. He's certainly done that with Harvey Barnes. He's certainly done that with Madison. If you look at their stats this season, I mean they've got goals and assists in them. He was urging them to increase their their figures to ease the burden on Jamie Vardy, and they have responded. It's unfortunate now that they're both missing as well, especially when Jamie's struggling a little bit because <clears throat> they did ease the burden on him, but. Um, they'll continue to do that. I mean, there's so many young lads that have been featuring in the squad in the last few weeks because of necessity. I mean, young Sidney Tavares came off the bench to make his Premier League debut at Burnley. Uh, he's the cousin of Nani. He used to play for Man United, but he's lived in England most of his life and come through the academy at Leicester. Um, so, you know, he's another one that they're looking at now that might eventually make the, the breakthrough and it's Vontae Daly-Campbell. There's quite a few of these youngsters now who are getting an opportunity, but it's up to them to take it.
2: Let's talk about the basement in the Premier League uh, briefly. Rob, Leicester's next two games are against two of the teams that are in, in trouble. Certainly Sheffield United, who got a good result uh, you know, overnight for us, but Brighton as well coming up at the weekend. Well, where do you see the bottom of the league table finishing now do you think it's the three that are there or can you see Fulham or even uh, West Brom clambering out and who will replace them
7: well I think West Brom and Sheffield United will go Um, I think they might have left themselves too much to do I mean West Brom I think I think it's uh, 9 points now um, from safety so you know that's a big task for them um, Sam Allardyce has never been relegated in his managerial career but if he pulls them out of this one that'll be one of his greatest achievements I think um Fulham still got a fighting chance only 3 points between them Newcastle and Brighton uh, Burnley I thought I saw enough from them last night really to make me believe that If they take the chances when they come along, that'll they be enough. because They're physical. They actually play a bit more football than I was expecting. I thought they would go route one more than they did. But um, I think they might have enough. So I think it'll be one out of those three, Fulham, Newcastle and Brighton. Um, Fulham got off to a terrible start. It's whether they can claw that back. They're drawing too many games. They need to start finding these winners. They've only got... Uh, the four wins this season. So, um, but it'd be a really important game for Brighton when Leicester go there on Saturday night.
1: And an indulgent one from me before we go, Rob. Liverpool. Uh, we obviously know their uh, title defence uh, is uh, over. But uh, do you think they could put uh, a back end of the season together to finish in the uh, in the top four and uh, and uh, salvage something from uh, what's been a pretty difficult season?
7: Well, it has. I mean, we've talked about Leicester's injuries, uh, but Liverpool as well have lost so many key players. They really have been patched up as well with Jordan Henderson playing centre-back and and several other midfield players having to fit in there. It's been a really tough campaign for Liverpool um, and it's been dictated very much by the the uniqueness of this campaign. It's incredibly important they put a a real run together towards the end of the season if they can get some players back. I mean, Van Dijk might not be that far away now um, and, and get themselves into that top four and then have momentum going into next season because we know what they're capable of. They need a bit of work in the transfer window in the summer, bringing a couple of players that can really kick them on again and challenge Man City because Man City have had it all their own way this season. They've had very little injuries Mm. to contend with. Um, I think it's important that Liverpool are back up there challenging.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree 100% Rob <laughs> uh, Thanks again for joining us mate um, We always uh, appreciate the time and generosity you give us We hope you're well And we hear some good news COVID style coming out of the UK As things are just gradually turning the corner And uh, um, and we hope maybe behind the season's out We might even see some crowds back in, in the stadiums so, Mate Rob Tanner, thanks again Thank you Rob Tanner from The Athletic what a man alright stick around we're going to talk more Europe after the break on Box to Box
0: Box to Box can you
1: believe it the chemist warehouse
0: home of real brands and real savings and storage king the kings of storage moving and more and this could be the most
1: crucial goal of all yes this is Box to Box we're going to continue the European theme after that uh, conversation with Rob Tanner from The Athletic in a moment though because first of all we want to talk about our friends at chemist warehouse stock up on your sports supplies right now at Chemist Warehouse. You can save on products like Wagner Body Science Supports Range half price. This is the time to get your Wagner Body Science at half price. Elastoplast mouthguards. Footy seasons are starting just $6.99. You have to have a mouthguard. Easy to use the Elastoplast. We've been using them for years. Metzl Heat Rub Cream 500 gram Twin Pack $25.99. Every team manager needs a pack of Metzl Heat Rub. I know I did when I was one. Rexona Deodorant 250 mil variants for after the game. $3.58 that is a very special deal. Also, save on big sports nutrition great deals, half price on the Masashi range, forty percent off the entire Vital Strength range, and twenty five percent off Aussie Bodies protein bars at Chemist Warehouse, where the lowest prices, Willem, are every single day.
3: day. They certainly are. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely, Derek. Uh, we got Dino on the line, and uh, we got a stack to talk about in Europe. We we going to sort of start us off, man.
3: Yeah, I want
2: to start straight at the Premier League and we're going to change the format a little bit this week because I just want to, with 10 games to go uh, for most teams, 11 for some teams, we really want to see where we think this table is shaping up. It's been a really fast season. The the football has just been relentless uh, and and this week's no exception. But uh, Dino, um, we'll go through from top to bottom. I don't think there are any um, doubts about who the champions are going to be. Manchester City are now... 14 points clear of Manchester United. I'll just ask you a broad question about them. Is this the best uh, team that um, Pep has produced at City?
6: I think so. I mean, look, he's been very good for me throughout the duration. And as we've always always spoken about, it's just that Champions League that's elusive away, you know, from times where he's won it in the past. It's eluded him, obviously, in quarterfinals. And I think this particular team, it's got that youth in there and and i think that adds quite a lot to it where you know there's some really exciting talent and um i think i think potentially if they keep going the way they're going it'll be one of the best man city um title tilts that uh, that's most probably ever been
2: goals literally over the pitch in their last game a two on victory over West Ham who did give them a good game both the goal scorers came from the centre of defence uh, yeah. with Ruben Diaz and John Stones so that really sums up just where City are um, looking at the top four Dino currently it's United Leicester and West Ham um, where do you see the top four ultimately ending up I think there are contenders all the way down to Tottenham in eighth probably you'd make a case for so who do you think will get in there eventually
6: yeah, look, I tend to agree. I mean, Tottenham, especially in, in the form that the Garrett Bell has been in in the last couple of games, um, and I think that's a big advantage. I think he's now getting to more like full fitness. I, I'd most probably uh, put a line through Villa, even though they're on the same games and same same points. I just, you know, I think losing like they did um, this morning um you know, it, it it was a poor result against the bottom team. You know, and if you're not going to go and get, that, get those three points, then I, I feel let's put a line through there. But I think Everton are really good. I think Liverpool will have a little run, and and Chelsea's on the, on the two calls being superb. So uh, the top four, you know, and West Ham. I mean, you can talk about all of them. Uh, they're, they're you know, they're, they're, so I think it could be a really exciting finish.
2: Can I pin you down for a top four, Dino?
6: <laughs> um, Man City uh, Man United I think will stay in there I, I still think Liverpool can get in there I think mm-hmm. it's, at, it's it's most probably there's West Ham Chelsea and Liverpool and Everton and obviously Tottenham as you talked about but most probably I hope West Ham do because I think uh, Moyes has done an unbelievable job there and, and there's no reason why they can't stay in there but I just wonder when it comes to the real back end when you need to get something done going to get it done. So I'll throw in Liverpool and I think I think Leicester will most probably stay in the four as well.
2: That means uh, Chelsea and West Ham might miss out. Manchester United second at the moment, but really not in great form, Dean. They've drawn again 0-0 away from home and against top six teams this season, they've drawn 0-0 five times. What does that yeah. say about how Oli is setting up this Manchester United team and their ambition on the pitch?
6: Look, I think most probably with the you know the nil nil, they, they, they definitely want to defend well, and obviously if you're not conceding goals, then they're doing the right thing. I think what where maybe they've lost their way a little bit is in in the front three, um, and maybe that most probably needs a bit more attention. Um, but as you say, with all the games coming in and the teams changing week in week out or every three days in out. Um, it can be difficult, but I can't see United falling out of the top
2: four. Then you get into the kind of no man's land, which I think you hinted started at Villa, Arsenal, Leeds United, Wolves, and Crystal Palace. Probably you'd say are all sitting in the middle of the table, and you can't see them moving up or down. They might they might sort of juggle positions a bit. But looking at yeah. the, looking at the bottom, Dino, would you agree that it's Southampton down and? you know, massive result for Sheffield United, as you said. And look, it's not, it's implausible that they'll get out of it, but it's not impossible. <laughs> it's not impossible.
6: No. Well, I'm a bit disappointed because obviously the 11 points was the Derby uh, disaster and uh, they're, they're past that now, aren't they? So on am so 14, so we'll, we'll put a line through that. Um, but even the baggies, they're, they're, you know, uh, and Big Sam, you know, weasels out a result uh, against Brighton, gets that three points, you know, against somebody who could actually get dragged into the relegation zone. The worrying one most probably that really jumps out is Newcastle. We're still not sure where they sit. I mean, I know they drew with Wolves earlier in the week. Um, But yeah, look, I think, you know, and I've heard there's been a little bit of a bust up at Newcastle as well with one of the players and so it's not all going well at Newcastle United. So they could be the one that might just drop in That I've got a feeling Fulham could still get out of this.
2: Yeah, Fulham playing some good football on Scott Parker. And I think if yeah. they're going to go down, they're going to go down with a bit of dignity and pride and probably to to be able to bounce back at, at the first attempt um West Bromwich Albion. I'm just not sure. You know, Sam has ground out a result. To be fair to him in the last game, but I don't think those results are coming in the bunches that he would like. And I just don't think yeah. it's going to. It's not going to be enough for them. And uh, Sheffield United clearly down. But yeah, um, you'd look at Newcastle and Brighton, Burnley. I think will get out of it. I think they've got yeah, enough. Yeah, Burnley are all yeah. right. Yeah, yeah they'll he, be. He, he,
6: he, he's good with them. They're, 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 they've had a little run, but uh, they're they're quite solid. I think.
2: Games coming up this weekend. Of course, they're all going to make a big difference, but the big one that stands out: is Manchester City and Manchester United. Will City make it 22 uh, wins in a row? Uh, Liverpool have Fulham. That will that'll have, have some interesting connotations to the to the league as well, know So, you know, Chelsea, Everton also stands out. That's a big one in terms of not just top four but top six and European qualification. Yeah, um reflecting on a few people that have passed this week we've already talked about ian st john dino but I welcome your views on him um not someone i watched a bit too before my time although i do remember him on no, saint, saint and
6: yeah very much my era um, yeah. you know i would tune in all the time for that and and they, they were just an unbelievable couple that uh, you know but, there's there's some footage that's been I've watched in a particular game where they've actually done each other really badly, like a bad tackle. Like now it would be a straight red and they've done each other in the corner. So, you know, know, in those days, that was a given and you didn't generally react. You know, there's plenty of scraps in those days, as we all know, Uh, but off the pitch, they were brilliant together and the show was really exciting. And what I will do for you as a little surprise, I'll send something to you where, um, they do a little uh, they do a little sketch and I won't give you any secrets there, but it's a really run really funny sketch it's one of my favorites and I think you'd really enjoy it we might right? get we um, might get
1: that out on the socials this week so if you're yeah. listening uh, keep an eye on the box to box social accounts and um, and we'll uh, we'll get it up there when you send it through Dina
6: Look, I will do. But you'll like it. It's very,
2: very funny. Of course, someone else that passes, Glenn Roder as well, uh, Dean. Another football man, like like obviously a proper football man, but a very different kind of character to Ian St. John. He was a very kind of stoic figure, a cultured player on the pitch and achieved some success uh, off the pitch as manager of West Ham, taking them to seventh, but has suffered for a while with illness and he's another great man gone from the game.
6: Well, it is. It's... it's, it's... It's a weekly occurrence now, and you know I remember Glenn Rhoda, the player and the manager. So um, I have a, a, a lot of respect for him. I thought he was a really decent player. Uh, he's very well organised. knew knew the game, played the game properly. And as a manager, you know he had certain success without maybe getting the, the big the big trophies. But um, you know it was a week in, week out uh, manager that uh, was relatively successful. You know on and on, on getting good finishes for teams he was managing.
2: Talking of trophies, there's a team north of the border who's got more than one hand on the Scottish Premier League title now and that's Rangers, they've got four points to gain now uh, to, to take the title back to Ibrox for the first time in a decade even with Steven Gerrard getting sent off in their game against Livington, so we'll keep an eye on that and we need to get a Scottish player on the show or a Scottish pundit on the show, gentlemen to
6: talk. Well I think that what, what that was as well, that was to do with the penalty that wasn't given and I've just seen his press press uh, interview after the game and he wasn't happy and he said look I don't mind if one one of you get it wrong but all three of you getting it wrong it was a blatant penalty and it could have made a big difference so he, even though they're miles ahead he ain't, you know let me tell you.
2: Thanks very much Dino we've covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time as usual Uh, and I'll go back to you Rob with uh, a story I'm annoyed about which is Arsenal and Tottenham are playing in the Europa League in the last 16 and we've just been told that we're playing away now and Tottenham will play at home for that round and then we meet each other in the North London derby that weekend so we've got a trip to wherever the hell we're going and then we've got to come back and play Tottenham in the North London Derby. Is this going to be
1: like one of those away games where you both have to travel to Prague or something like that? No,
2: they're playing at Spurs and we're going away and we were were drawn at home first, Mm -hmm. so I don't know what they did, but we've been been stuffed up
1: there. I genuinely do not feel sorry for you there, Derek. Anyway, mate, well done, Dino. Thank you. Stick around, boys. Uh, We've got stoppage time. Uh, One of the conversations we have from time to time about uh, our favourite commentators, pundits, experts, etc. Uh, as well as the ones that we dislike uh, listening to as well. This is all a matter of opinion. We will find out each individual opinion after the break. In stop a on box to box.
0: Box to box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings.
1: And Storage King,
0: the kings of storage, moving and more. And this could
1: be the most this is box to box call. on 9 Radio NTS news talk sport we have well, the fourth official's given us eight minutes left for stoppage time. This is a conversation that came up during the week because there are some commentators who just grind your gears. Some people love certain individuals, but others just can not stand them. There's a particular individual who commentates on the Premier League who Derek and I have um, long thought jumped the shark. His name's Peter Drury. Um uh, talk about colour and unnecessary exaggeration of situations. He he wrote the book on it. You agree with that, Derek, don't you?
2: Oh, yeah, he manages to ruin every game and sometimes when I hear his voice come up on the mini-match, I'll just skip to the next game, I don't (laughs) really want to see this, I'd rather watch Russian highlights on uh, YouTube, but uh, the reason i brought this up is because um, two pundits in the UK had a great um, tete-a-tete on Sky Sports, and I believe we've got a little clip of it.
7: I think the back four isn't good enough, but I tell you what, Reguon is as good a left back as there is in the country. Yeah. So I think you've got that one wrong. I think he's a he's a class player. That's I mean, why Real Madrid let him n- go. Not got any. Confidence. That's why Real Madrid. Why, why do you think Real Madrid let him what, go? You're saying he's not. Does that matter? Oh, because Real Madrid let him go. That doesn't make him a good player. Yeah, it's but how much did they let, let, he let him go for? for country not a good player. How much did they let him go, not go for? It sounds as if they paid 60, 70 million. They might
5: be able to buy him back actually. They bring Dard. They bring a fantastic left back. Dard
6: playing for Wolves. Who were the last year have done well and they're expecting to compete. They're selling to Spurs for 15 million Doherty. Does anyone really think Doherty's going to make Spurs a top four team? Doherty. Really?
2: Yeah, Roy Keane's still the scariest man in uh, in football punditry. But I think what he was calling out there, gents, was actually what he was perceiving to be lazy punditry from Jamie Redknapp. He was kind of just going through the motions, saying that Spurs were a good team because they had international footballers in the team. And the point that Roy Keane, which I actually think was a good one, uh, was that just because you're an international doesn't actually mean that you're you're a top European. Footballer, But
1: listening to that, I thought Jamie Redknapp did fire back with some reasonable comments. I mean, Toby Alderweireld, he <laughs> plays for Belgium, the number one team in the world, so he used him as an example amongst several others. But Jamie did fire up. He, he certainly did. And, and look, um, a question
2: I'd ask you all is, like, do you mind if uh, our pundits are so sort of uh, blatantly um, you know, on it for one team? Because Jamie Redknapp was clearly piqued uh, by that. And you know, uh, Roy Keane, it's a bit tired there, Abraham Simpson kind of. <laughs> shaking his fist at rain clouds kind of stuff that he normally does but um, do you prefer the kind of
1: suave like um, suave kind of people uh, Rob or do you mind a bit of a ding dong like that no, sure. I love a ding dong it's, uh, it's what it's all about I, I, I can't stand uh, But TV commentators tend to do it more so than radio that's why I think I generally like listening to radio commentators they seem to be a bit more raw and a bit more real uh, uh, in in most sports around the world the, the TV commentators seem to feel like they're being a part of the show as opposed to uh, to, to to um, to commentating on it, Dino, uh, uh, you've watched and listened to plenty of football over the years. Is there anyone who sort of stands out as your favourite stroke, least favourite?
6: Well, I think it was more like with commentators. because obviously you know grew up with Barry, Barry Davis, John Motson, Gerald Finstatt, uh who used to do the Manchester areas, and uh, and they were like pundits on their own. You know, because they didn't really have a, really have an assistant next to them, so they were like. They were, like, making make, making the call of the actual commentary, but also, like, pulling, pulling people apart, you know. Oh, that was not good. This wasn't good. So, um, but, you know, again, it goes back to when you, when I talked about Saints and Greavesy show. They had lots of special guests in there, and, and they would all have big, big opinions. And um, I, I love it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to debate football at any time about anything. So, um when it's a good one, and I did Peter like you know, Jamie uh, one as well. It was, it, I thought it was really good viewing.
2: Yeah, it was certainly good television. That's for sure. With them got locking horns. Uh, Will there any thoughts here? Domestic examples or, or people that you like to listen to?
3: Yeah, well, I think Simon Hill's probably the gold standard as a commentator. And I think in terms of special comments here in the A-League, he gets a bit of a bum rap at times, Rob, but I think Andy Harper's fantastic. He puts in a little bit of, um, sometimes a bit of poetry or just a slightly quirky or bizarre take, but sometimes people seem to think that takes away from the product. I don't think there's any point in bringing a sort of a richer take on just outside football to a match. I actually don't mind Roy Keane. I think he's just perennially frustrated by today's footballers and he, he's not pulled his head out of his own era uh yeah, he's forever sort of disgruntled, so it's no surprise to see him blow his top at, uh, at certain occasions, Dean.
6: <laughs> yeah, look, he hasn't changed, Roy. You know. He won't change, that's the thing. And, like, to be fair to him, the boys been high at everything they've done. And, you know, even like the, the one for Del boy, you know, when it was, when it was the, uh, the stouch and the, and the tunnel down at Highbury. I mean, you know, that was, that was great viewing.
2: Yeah I was there for that and I mean obviously Keane set the standards as the United captain and and there's no doubt that he was part of that brilliant era because he didn't let anyone that he thought was slipping by you know slipping the standards he didn't he did we wouldn't uh, tolerate that at all. Um, I know you guys are big talk sport I'm more in the uh, the BBC camp and uh, two guys that they have on the BBC frequently on their talk back is Robbie Savage and Chris Sutton and again two characters that are incredibly divisive particularly Robbie Savage he was divisive on the pitch as well as off it but absolutely brilliant value for money because when the um, when the callers ring in they just absolutely walk into these traps that these guys are <laughs> setting and they know exactly what they're doing and actually Robbie Savage has turned me around a little bit. I'm like, okay, I mm. get you. You're actually a really good broadcaster now. And yeah. Stepping off the pitch to broadcasting is not as simple as
1: it looks. Well, I've been listening to a lot more of the BBC Sport in recent times, mainly because they have seemed to have dropped the geo block. I hope no one over there is listening to it, because you can <laughs> listen to uh, uh, to a lot more of the BBC Sport now on their BBC Sounds app. So, uh, you know, I flick between the two, and I, I agree with you You're there. But no, no discussion on commentary or pundits uh, is complete without talking about Martin Tyler, who uh, is the voice of this show. And uh, and we've had on as a guest on a couple of occasions. If there was ever a man who could uh, illustrate a, a game in all of its glory, highs and lows, and and just the, the his capacity to react to the moment, to to go from a tempo where he's describing a, a piece of action to build to a crescendo and then describe something amazing with uh, excitement, and to choose the right words, uh, you know, they don't get any better than Martin. And uh, I know we're just to bookend this with uh, uh, our uh, our. Um, Least favourite commentator. I found uh, a piece of Peter Drury uh, here. It's uh, it goes like this: Columbia's kaleidoscope of charismatic class meets England, new, modern, fresh and free. Kane with the eyes of an eagle and the feet of a ballerina. Pickford exhales and England breathe again. That's the kind of rubbish that you get dished up every single week. And there are some people (laughs) out there you get online who love him. But um that was
2: England, Columbia, two thousand eighteen. A very, I'm getting Roy Keane here. A very mediocre (laughs) team. but with uh, Harry Kane leading the line. So, yeah, mm. that's, that's totally out of proportion. You think he was talking about Brazil 1970 <laughs> or something.
3: I completely agree. And it's a shame because I think Jim Beglin, who often yeah, partners yeah. him and yeah, yeah, they're yeah. seen as a duo, I think he's really good. Yeah, yeah But yeah. Just, yeah. I, just, yeah, I can't have Drury. And it is a shame when you turn a match on, oh, who, wonder who we've got. And then you hear some mm. absolute dribble, nonsense pros like that. They'll <laughs> like, go, oh, we're in for it here.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, boys, well done. And if Peter Drury's family are listening, we're sure he's a great bloke. We just don't like his commentary. Anyway, uh, Willem, well done. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, gents. Dino.
6: Yeah, well done, boys.
1: Thank you. Derek, excellent uh, work in the hot seat. Um, does Edge get his, uh, his spot back, mate?
3: Oh, Under
2: pressure. Oh, <laughs> he, certainly, he certainly does. I, I like my cameo roles. I'm like the soul Shire of box to box
1: The super <laughs> sub. And Damo, brilliant work as always, mate. Pressing the buttons, Damien Taddea. Thank you again for listening to us. Wherever you're listening to us, uh, whenever you're listening to us, we uh, are grateful for your support on box to Box. And we hope that you'll all join us next week on Box to Box when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the World Game.